0: This is the I read comic books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two stoic protectors from the cosmos, Brian Murray, who goes there, and Kate Lamphere.
1: My superpower is reading.
0: uh wow! I've got some great protectors with me this week. This is episode <laughs> two hundred and eighty for I read comic books. Before we get into things, I want to remind everyone: you should go read those books on the Goodreads reading challenge that we have. I, I know that we we. Talk a lot about Goodreads and all that stuff, but really, we've got some incredible books. And I just want to remind everyone that's a thing. If you finish the challenge for the end of the year, you can be one of the people that helps pick the first book that we read next year. And we'll give you a shout out on the show. We're going to do be, be doing a couple of episodes about Goodreads this year, specifically for the reading challenge. So if you want to get in on that, you want to send us your comments about the books that you've read, we'd love it. We're going to have special episodes dedicated just to the reading challenge. So get ready for that. Anyways, let's get into things. I have a legally mandated set of questions i have to ask every single week on the show and those are how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you brian
2: uh i've been good uh recently picked up horizon zero dawn on the pc so that i could nice. finally play with a, a mouse like god intended <laughs> uh and it's a lot of fun it's a very good game but comics wise uh, i read invisible kingdom volume one it's uh written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Christian Ward, letters by Sal Cipriano. It was very good. Uh it's a very cool concept. Like this this outer space sort of there's a there's a cult and there's like an evil supercorp. Uh that's two two things that I love to see in a villain. So it's uh a ragtag team of shipping people basically they're they're like uh imagine a millennium falcon style space trucker and their crew Mm -hmm. so it's 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 a lot of fun and the the colors especially in the book are just gorgeous it's a very very good looking book absolutely christian
0: Ward doesn't fuck around i i love that about him like he and that dude is born to do sci-fi books like invisible mm-hmm. kingdom like i'm s- such a great pairing for this series
2: yeah like every every detail about the characters you can tell has been like thought out and designed with care mm-hmm. so it's it's great to see
0: yeah i i read the first couple of issues of that book i i'm you said you, you liked the whole thing so i guess i should go back and, and reread the rest of it
2: i i just read the the first volume okay well yeah yeah at least the first volume but yeah i i enjoyed the first volume quite a bit very cool. I'll so say shout out to our Discord for recommending that to me when I was looking for a uh, a way to use my last hoopla borrows for March. Nice. Remember,
0: you can always join the Discord. <laughs> I'm just gonna It's just all plugs today. Uh, IRCBpodcast.com slash Discord. If you come and hang out with us, recommend us some books. We pretty much, someone will pick them up to read them. I can guarantee that. I usually am that person, but like, you know, maybe you can get Brian to read some other cool sci-fi book. Kate, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been?
1: Um, I've been really great. I've been going to the library a lot now that it's got regular hours again. I have way too much to read and, and not enough time like with, with the limited checkout period to read all of it. And then, of course, I've been using all of my hoopla borrows, so I have even more books to read on my tablet. It's like a problem, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like, where do you find the time to do all of this, Kate?
1: uh before bed I'm like I'll okay. read a book be- a comic book before bed and then I'm up until 2 because I end up reading three comic books before bed <laughs> yeah I get that but I have recently read Dune the graphic novel this was originally written by Frank Herbert as a prose book it's very popular and it's gigantic it's a it's a huge huge old brick um mm-hmm. and it was adapted by his son Brian Herbert and Kevin J Anderson And the art is by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. Um, And I've tried to get into this story like multiple times. I've tried the old movie adaptation. I've tried the book um, and it just doesn't keep my attention. It's it's so much. Um, But I wanted to read it somehow before the new movie comes out. Um, and so I'm really glad that they've adapted it into a comic. And uh, it, it really just dives right into the story. I don't know, I don't remember how the prose book starts, but, but the comic book starts right in the middle of um, like world building and backstory. And there's a whole bunch of different like political intrigues from different parties. And it was, it was, it was a lot for the first like maybe 30 pages. Um, But once you know who people are and what their motivations are, it really is very engaging. And and the art is very beautiful also. Um, But in the story, like everyone is suspicious of everybody else. And the main character, Paul, who's like, I I think he was 16 around there someplace. Um, He's some kind of like prophesied messiah, but a religious group that his mom is part of had intended that messiah to be born a woman so this is like a thing (laughs) as far as i can tell i mean there's a lot going on again but i do plan to keep reading this in volumes i think that there's going to be three but yeah like i said it was it was a whole lot for for a minute there
0: Mm -hmm. is this how i finally get into dune this is dune has been like one of those books on my like super intimidatingly long sci-fi series that I want to read, and I've I've tackled a couple of them, right? Um, like I read Foundation, and I read that's pretty much it. I read Foundation, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> Dune is Dune is also on this list, and uh, I, I've always wanted to because I've always wanted to read this because you know it is like one of those super influential books as far as sci-fi is concerned. At least everybody who reads it is either f- fucking insane or they go. It's it's pretty good for what it is but I've I've never been able to look at that tome of a book and actually want to pick it up. But if it's in a graphic novel format, this may be my time to actually get into Dune and then catch up on the dozens of podcasts and other things that talk about this book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I get the impression that Dune is a lot like game of Thrones where (laughs) it's just, uh, it's a good story, but it's so overwritten Mm -hmm. that you really need it in like a a more visual format. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to spend all your time Reading descriptions of things. (laughs) Gotcha. Cinco in the chat saying that it sounds
0: like uh, this graphic novel is like a one-to-one adaptation. So like that's that's great. I mean, plus with fucking Raul Allen and Patricia Martin, holy shit! Like I've I've loved almost every single book that I've read that has that those that couple on um, art. And holy smokes, yeah, I I think this might be my time. I think I'm going to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's right on Hoopla, so and it's on hoopla kate come on yep. come on I'm trying to move <laughs> this week come on
1: <laughs> you can read in the uh, car maybe <laughs> yeah
0: maybe well i'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it yeah i i i always get hesitate you know hesitate when it comes to like sci-fi novels or any pretty much just any novel that gets added, adapted into a comic because you know we've done episodes about this in the past and i feel like it's very very hit or miss there's like a wide margin between the really good ones and the really bad ones um and there's really no middling adaptations out there um and at least in my book so like if if you're saying this is good then i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check this out i'm gonna need a, a true dune expert to actually verify but yeah. you know i trust <laughs> i trust you kate you're you're, you're oh, pretty boy. good judge for this kind of stuff <laughs> um and if i don't like it you know you're just gonna ruin my week so <laughs> it's all on you it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um well cool i guess well for me as i said trying to move this week i'm going to be talking about it for forever wait till i move next week and i go oh my gosh you guys everything's out of whack um i will be off the show next week but you know that's just because uh nonetheless i have been uh pretty okay i've been not reading a lot because i've been playing a lot of dungeons and dragons because that's what happens my weeks wane between you know either i'm playing a lot of D and not reading comics or i'm reading a lot of comics and not playing D D. that is my life there is no middle ground. Everything's extremes for me. I'm neither a Jedi nor a Sith, but I'm both. Uh, anyways, sorry. I've had a lot of caffeine today. Let me talk about comic books. Uh, I've I've been reading. I did read a couple things. Um, I read Witch Blood number one, which came out last Wednesday. This is Matthew Ehrman on writing with art by Lisa Stirling, colors by Gab Contreras. This is a really odd, fun book, like witches and vampires in like a modernish Wild West style setting with like diners and a single gas station. Uh, we follow this woman, Yana, who is a young witch who loves her crow and her motorcycle. Um, and she decides she wants to go kind of just mess with the people in a nearby town so that she can get a little bit more magic in her, I don't know, like or something I, I really wasn't following some of the magic logic and uh so she heads into this small town only to run into vampires who are like bank robbers that just want to eat people but also rob banks um and this may have inspired a little one-shot game that i was running where like these people just come to town and just want to fuck with everyone and uh yeah so they you know the the witch meets this bounty hunter who's trying to hunt something and she doesn't know what there's like this weird like i know that you are someone who's not a regular person kind of look shit between the two of them um and they talk and then vampires show up and i don't want to spoil it but like there is a weird quirky feeling to this whole book it has a very, like a booms studios ya novel feeling to it like the way that the character the main character yana talks she seems very like YA oriented, but then the book is super heavy on the action and blood and combat and swear words and stuff. This feels like a, you know, a PG-13 action flick um where there are some stakes, but also there are some goofy lines that get thrown in the book to kind of make it a little bit more playful. And, you know, the comicsology description calls it like fans for fans of Buffy and American Gods, and I guess I can see that. Like I said this this quirky element kind of takes a lot of the serious tone off of the book, but also there are stakes. And I find that to be really interesting. I saw a ton of promotion for this on Twitter. I think I follow a lot of the folks that are like in and around this book and it came from vault. So vault is retweeting every tweet that's ever been posted in like close capacity about this book. Uh, So yeah, I don't know. I think it was pretty solid. Like I think a lot of people will like this number one and others will probably find it to be a bit too lighthearted for them to actually want to keep reading. But um I enjoyed number one enough to check back for number two to see where this book goes. I'm I'm worried that like the overly overly goofiness of the the main character Yana is gonna maybe get to me. But um, you know, I watch episodes of New Girl and Gotten By, so I think I will be I will be fine. Um but yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think folks should check this book out because it's it's a lot of fun um, overall. And I think, again, like I said, a lot of people will probably like this number one. Anyways, the other book that I did read was part of our book club on Discord. Uh, this, I read Infidel uh, by Pornsec uh, Pizza Chot. Uh And man, I, I just want to say, uh, Aaron Campbell and Jose Villarubia also did art on this. Sorry, this book scared the shit out of me. That's all I can say. <laughs> I haven't been like scared by a comic book like this ever in my life and then i sat down and read infidel of course at night in the dark by myself and it scared the hell out of me because it's about someone living in new york and there's ghosts in their apartment building and i'm the type of person that is susceptible to that type of story um so i had and really i had no idea what this book is going to be other than it as like a horror book going in and like i was completely floored by every single page of this book. Um, it follows this main character, Aisha, um, and her best friend from like from childhood as they live in this building that had like a bomb go off in it a couple months back. And the people in this building are still trying to get by. A lot of them moved out, but some of them stayed. And, um, there's just this eerie feeling in the in the building to begin with and so as the story goes on you get these glimpses into like what happened why the this bomb went off there's a racial element to it like a guy who was like looking up all this anarchist stuff on the internet um he was from he was from um the middle east and he had been building like these homemade bombs but like he didn't set them off because when the bombs went off he wasn't even home and so there's like a bunch of layers to the story. And I don't want to spoil it completely, but man, oh man, the way that uh Pizza showed, uh wrote the the people in this book, it felt so real that it was like, it was almost like, I, I don't want to say cringeworthy, but it like made my skin crawl because of the way that the people talk in this book about like, well, this guy, he was, you know, in the house or he lived in this building and I didn't think he was a bad guy, but then he started acting weird. And then a lot of like really tough racial things are thrown around that you're like that's kind of racial but it's also I don't know it's 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 really interesting the way that he talked about all of this stuff in the book on top of the horror element of this book where there are ghosts in this building haunting people and Aisha has this this connection to her spirituality that kind of plays a factor into it as a Muslim woman and like oh man, I, I am blown away by this book except for the part where I had to like stop in the middle of um, issue three because my my heart was pumping so fast um I like was felt like I was going to have a panic attack and I just put the book down and came back to it a day later but like man it's good I I can't recommend this book enough I know I've seen people on Twitter uh, say this was like probably their best their favorite book that came out I think the year that it came out and I totally understand it now and I'm kicking myself for not having picked it up when it first came out because whew, this might be one of the most like actually terrifying graphic or, or collected books that I've ever read in my life. Um, yeah and i i will say so basically like if you're looking for some serious spookiness you need to read this book it will it will mess you up in the best of ways
1: i'll (sighs) read it sometime when it's not at midnight like my usual reading time
0: middle middle of a summer day i think might be the best time to read this don't read it in the fall don't read it in the winter don't read it at night um it must be like when the sun is completely visible from where you're sitting i think that's that's probably the best recommendation um (laughs) Anyways, yeah, a lot lot of really interesting stuff. I, I can't believe so much was covered in one book in just, like, five issues. I think that's how long the series is. Um, yeah, it's very, very impressive. And, and I, I didn't even bring up, like, Campbell and Villarubia's art because, like, that's half of the creepiness factor. Just the way that they drew some of the spirits and monsters in the book got to me in a way that only the movie 28 Days Later ever really got to me like secrets behind the veil of mike Rappin. 28 days later might be one of the scariest movies i've ever seen just because of the zombies and the way that they portrayed them and moved and all that stuff i felt the same way about this book not that they're like similar in visual style but like it's that level of creepy that actually really got to me um and campbell is able to draw these very beautiful people and these regular ordinary things and pair them with in a totally different art style these grotesque monstrous things coming out of the walls coming out of people's heads like not in like a gory gross way like a cronenberg film but like in a this you know like possession kind of thing where like a demon is coming out of a wall like oh man just creep me the fuck out anyways read infidel guys it's gonna scare the living shit out of you um yeah i guess let's let's move on though. let's talk about comic books that are coming out on april 7th 2021 what are you both excited for this week i'm gonna kick it back to you kate
1: yeah, I'm excited for Origins number six. The writer is uh, Clay McLeod Chapman. Artist is Jacob Rebel- Rebelka. Colorist is Patricio Del Peché, and letters is by Jim Campbell, who also does Giant Days that I've been reading a lot of. Um, nice. This was put out by Boom, so you kind of have a you know a visual style that we're used to seeing from Boom. But I've read the first two issues of this on Hoopla already, and I'm I'm very engaged by it. Um, it's got a similar setting to the game Horizon Zero Dawn that Brian mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> it, uh, humanity has been nearly wiped out, and it's like a thousand years later or something. And mm-hmm. nature has reclaimed the cities, um, but there's like this these like technological beings that are like incorporated into the natural network now, um, and they pose their own dangers. And the the protagonist is this one dude. <laughs> who has somehow been alive and died before. Um, and it's implied that he's able to make all of this stuff better and like help humanity come back and stuff. I'm only two issues in, so I'm still figuring out what's going on. Um, but number six is the final issue. So at this point, I'll probably wait until the whole series is up on Hoopla to finish it, because it, it really is one that I just want to sit down and, and read all in one go. So. hmm
0: Gotcha. I mean, I I can't say that I've heard of this, but, you know, let me know how it goes. Maybe I'll pick that up sometime.
1: Yeah, so far, I've really enjoyed it. it the art is really nice, too. Actually, um, issues one and two looked like they were different art styles, but I didn't see that online. So um, I'll, I might have to look into that more. Um, I wonder, like, I'm really curious as to which art style they're going to go with going forward, or if this is going to be one where there's like a different art style every issue. I'm really not sure.
0: Well, just looking at the cover for number six, holy smokes. This yeah, might it be is right really up my big, alley.
1: Yeah, it's a very beautiful cover.
2: Very cool. Uh, Brian, what about you? What are you excited for this week? And now for something completely different. <laughs> uh, my, my pick for this week is Agretzuko Meet Her World number one, uh, written by Molly Muldoon with art by Kel McDonald, uh, which is a weird little... Uh, coincidence uh one of the first web comics that i ever really got into was cal mcdonald's web comic sorcery 101 i haven't i haven't checked up on it in probably a decade and a half or something (laughs) but i i assume it is long finished uh but egretsuko is an anime about a anthropomorphic animal world where uh, Retsuko, our main character, is a red panda who works in an office building, and it gets very much into like the the trials and tribulations of being sort of a a millennial drifting through a corporate life that mm-hmm. you're not really crazy about, but you don't know what else to do. And uh, Retzko gets her uh, all of her rage out. By doing heavy metal karaoke, that is her her secret shame, uh, and it's it's just the 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 visual style contrasting with the the loud growling shrieking music
0: <laughs>
2: never never fails to put a smile on my face. Uh, so I was very excited to see that there was going to be a uh, a comic uh, coming out uh this it, it it appears to be a uh sort of a, a work another workplace situation where Retsuko finds herself doing most of the work which you know if you've ever done a group project you can probably relate to
0: absolutely i i've i've had a lot of really fun times watching that anime on netflix just just when i need to feel something goofy you know um and that book def- or that tv show definitely hits that that mark
2: yeah it it's 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 a really great balance between just goofy gags and funny jokes, but it also has Mm -hmm. a lot of heart. Like there is, I, I find myself caring about these characters. Right. Right. That sounds like
0: sounds like fun. You have to let me know how the comic goes, because I, you know, I wonder sometimes how shows like that, you know, tra- you know, translate over. You know, I I know that like like I'm a big fan of the Rick and Morty comics, right? Um, and you know, that's it. It's like a one to one transformation, you know, from that. I've been I've heard that the same thing works really well for Bob's Burgers comics and stuff. Like if you really like the TV show, the comic's going to work. So I hope that that that's what happens here with uh, a Gredazzo, because yeah i I, you know that book that that tv show deserves more more recognition and i hope that the comic will help more people get into it
2: yeah fingers crossed uh well before i
0: get into my picks this week uh, we had some folks on discord hanging out with us today uh who had some picks that they wanted to throw out there matt is excited for deep beyond number three danny is excited for magic the gathering number one why do we need a comic book i'm not going to get into it uh is excited for immortal hulk number 45 um I, I am curious about Magic the Gathering, number one. Very interested in t- to know how that's going to turn out. Because, I mean, I know that Wizards of the Coast has done, like, you know, D&D comics. Brian and I did a whole mini about that. But still <laughs> interested to see what the Magic the Gathering uh, comic is about. And I, there's lore behind it. You Magic the Gathering fans, slow down your emails, I know. But uh, I know there's lore and there's story behind it. But I'm curious to know how a comic's going to go about that. Um, Danny said he's going to keep me updated, so thank you. Anyways, my pick for this week is Silver Coin, or excuse me, The Silver Coin Number 1. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Michael Walsh. All I got to say is I've got it, right? I have to pick this up. This is that series that I think I mistake, I mistook for the uh, Tyler, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what his name is, uh, book that he did a couple weeks ago, Dead Dog's Bone, I think. And uh, yeah, anyways, this is like this weird anthology book where multiple writers are going to come on and i think michael walsh is drawing someone correct me if i'm wrong but the story of this first issue is um the story starts in 1978 with a failing rock band whose fortune suddenly changes when they find themselves find the mysterious silver coin little do they know that the fame comes with a cost and a curse is always hungry so this is essentially the leprechaun movie series but in comic book form and about a coin so i'm excited Regardless, uh, I don't know what the hell Michael Walsh and Chip Zdarsky are going to do, but you know what? I got to check it out because that's a killer team, and I figure I should probably actually buy a Chip Zdarsky book that isn't Sex Criminals for once and get on the bandwagon with everybody else. So that's, uh, that's me for this week. Um, yeah, well, I guess we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about this thing that we've done a couple times now, Comic Book Time Machine, read a comic, release the month and year you were born, and discuss We've got some new ones this week. We've got some interesting ones this week. We've got even some hot takes. We'll see. We'll be back in just a second. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are doing our newly- Really fun thing. I don't know. I find this to be really enjoyable. So I hope you do too. Comic book time machine, where we pick a comic book that came out the month and year that we were born and discussed. Since I've been on the episodes, I'm really starting to dig through the bottom of the barrel. But fortunately, comic books were in a boom in the 80s when I was born. So there's never going to be um, enough. And I have yet to approach Inferno. One day I'll get there. I know that issue number one came out October 1988 or something like the beginning of that whole story came out. So I'll get there eventually, but for this week, I've got a totally different book. Brian and Kate here on the episode. Kate, you've been on an episode before, so I'm glad you got to find another book to be on here. Yeah. So let's just get things started with Brian. What was your book, and what was what did your overall thoughts? I guess, or maybe just tell us a little bit about the book that you picked.
2: Yeah. So I picked a, a pretty underground one. Uh, you might you might not <laughs> have heard of it. Uh-huh. It's uh, it, the guy's name is Morit Mor- Morrison. More recent, more recent. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he made this. He made this Animal Man book. Um, so I, I read the first issue of uh, Grant Morrison's Animal Man. They they call this a classic, and I guess I see why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, did you, was this the first issue that
0: came out? Uh, I, I believe it, so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and just just for a clarification
2: for the folks at home, what what month and year are we talking here? This is September 1988. Okay. Okay. Uh, you you can really tell that that Watchmen had just uh come out pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it opens with a, a character who we only know as the Beast in the first issue. Uh, oh my gosh, no yes. idea what their deal is. <laughs> uh, but their whole intro, like it, it could have been Mad Libs from uh, what's Rorschach's like, let them drown in the streets monologue from Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, his big manifesto, yeah. Yeah, it was truly just like, oh my god, we get it. Humans are shit in the 80s. <laughs> but once, once I got past that, it, it, it's, it's really not like a... At least the first issue is not a condemnation of the human species. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the the villain certainly holds that opinion. <laughs> yeah, I I love this series. If only because
0: I think... <laughs> You say in your notes, like, it's the edgiest 80s that you can ask for. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's
2: it's so in your face with it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I I forgot that Buddy Baker is Animal Mm -hmm. Man's name, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I forgot that he's like a stunt guy. And that's the funniest uh, superhero secret identity I can think of. (laughs) Like, his his job is to get, get, like, knocked out of windows and stuff so an actor doesn't have to do it. All right well this is a this is an interesting pick uh
0: if only because like i think you picked the biggest book in this this entire series so far i guess next to what i said what i said before inferno eventually will be a thing that i'm going to talk about but yeah uh, like grant morrison's animal man that is who. well i guess uh, before we get into into th- things too deep Kate what was the book that uh that you picked for for this month
1: yeah I picked Batman annual number 12 um Slade's Demon is the title this was by Mike Barron Robert uh Greenberger and Ross Andrew Mm -hmm. and I was um I was attracted to this book specifically because it's a locked room mystery, which means that there's um, there's a murder and there's only so many people who could have done it because there were only so many people at this place or event at that time. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought of that that plot as being... Uh, more of a modern convention like that was like knives the plot of knives out was kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. Um, so seeing this from august 1988 was really interesting and made me want to read it Um, and this this is on hoopla it's part of uh, uh, volume one of batman from that time period and of course i can't remember what the the title on that book is right now but this is pretty easy to find so it, it starts with uh, Bruce being invited to this mansion. It's it's literally a murder mystery party. All of these people are, are given props and roles that they have to role play for the night. But then immediately there is a storm and the power goes out. And when this happens, the host is murdered.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: Um, and then Batman appears. Where's Bruce? Well, he's been taken to safety already. Don't worry about Bruce. Oh, um, okay.
0: <laughs> Batman definitely isn't the murderer. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> This is um, just Clue. This sounds like Clue. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and there is—it turns out that there is like a secret child between the host and one of the guests, and the child that's there, um, <laughs> like, as a grown man. This is like multiple years after all this stuff went down. Um, okay. And somehow the the house was constructed to have a self-destruct built in to fall down the side of a mountain. Um, and that comes up <laughs> uh, at the very end. But, okay. in the meantime, this house is cursed because there was a murder like multiple years ago, and it turns out that that the person that everybody thought was murdered and was haunting the house is actually still alive, literally living under the house as like a seventy year old like strong man, yeah, so it's kind of strange but <laughs>
2: That that freaks me out more than any supernatural horror but ever It
1: will. turns out <laughs> that he was a nice guy, but when everybody was like, weird things just happen around here, like, yeah, it was him, like, taking care of the property.
2: Just, okay. If I ever find out that, like, somebody was, like, living in our laundry room or something, I'm burning the condo to the ground.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: like, um, while you were still living there? Yeah. <laughs> just oh, inside. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I will burn it down with me in it. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> um oh man i i do have to say that at the very end of this book like everybody's like talking about um slade's demon which is you know the title of, of the issue but it's it's the the ghost that's haunting the place which is a real guy everybody has called slade's demon for all these years well when the house slides into the gorge there's literally like a giant satan looking apparition that just appears and then dissolves and i don't know totally what normal
0: I'm about <laughs> that's a regular kind of gorge thing i think when things (laughs) fall into gorges you know
2: yeah it's like that that waterfall in yellowstone that looks like it's on fire at a certain time of year right if a a house falls into a gorge at the right time of day you just get a satan yeah (laughs) standard satan
1: yeah but like i thought all these questions were answered about like like what's the ghost well the ghost is is a living guy um well, what's been going on? Well, this living guy has been taking care of this property, but he doesn't want to be found because the people that are still around that murdered him, but quote unquote, murdered him, are st- like mm-hmm. they're still around. He doesn't want to be found. So all the questions were answered and then suddenly Satan was real. I don't know. I don't know. what happened. I mean, listen, Batman
0: books have nothing to do with magic until they have everything to do with <laughs> magic. Okay uh well okay that sounds you know kate i think you might have the most interesting book uh out of the group i mean brian the most classic the most popular yours is the most interesting um let's talk about mine which is starman number one this is released in 1988 october 1988 um the i wrote a big long summary about this but the story is essentially like some scientists are collecting radiation from space and they're trying to zap it right into five individuals to create Better aliens than whatever the Justice League International was running, according to this seemingly villainous guy, Dr. Melrose, who has like a super hard on for like making the most patriotic superheroes ever. For some reason, space debris causes this satellite that's collecting radiation and shooting beams of energy um, to Earth um, into these people, uh, causes it to break, and it shoots in some random direction. And all the other scientists are like, Dr. Melrose, what if it hits some random person? And Melrose says, that can't possibly happen. Cut to a man dead in a mountain because he got hit with this radiation beam. (laughs) Naturally. Naturally. Um but of course a month has passed and this guy has been seemingly dead for a month but his body looks fine. And uh so some hikers find him take him to a hospital his skin has like changed color it's like a deeper red. Everyone keeps saying that's a strange looking tan you've got. His skin just looks red. I don't know. Uh he ends up waking up in a morgue. Uh the police try to immediately kill him because he woke up in a morgue. Uh and so he jumps out of a window naturally off a cliff because there's a hospital right next to a cliff and then he learns to fly our main character it turns out his name is William Payton he look he's basically drawn to look 38 but he says I'm a 25 year old average American he's got this big huge beard of someone that's (laughs) definitely lived a long life so of course as he's trying to get away and trying to figure out how he lost so much time and what happened he discovers that he's bulletproof because he runs into some bank robbers who just say, hey, you seen us? And then they shoot him and nothing. And the bullet just bounces off his arm. He then gets angry because he got shot and just starts to like hunch. And then he becomes the brightest light anyone's ever seen. Uh, And then he has super strength, but also the ability to meld metal with his hands. And so he flips over a car and like bends some bars. And then a cop shows up as he flies away. And this guy says, oh, my gosh, was that an angel? Like, i don't know this book is all over the place and so will naturally goes to see his sister um she thinks that he should be a superhero and she's like let's go back to mom's house and so they go back to their house and the sister says you better shave that beard because you forget to live at mom's house she doesn't care for beards so he shaves his face like this book is all over the place it's so weird this guy finds out that he has super like massive powers rivaling that of superman but he's like well i better listen to what my mom says i should do um (laughs) and she starts yelling at him about not having a job and he's like well i don't ever want to be a superhero i'm gonna to try to get a real job uh and then uh he sees that someone's getting like someone's been crushed by construction equipment at nearby his house of phoenix arizona um and so he flies there in this suit that his sister made him that she decided to give to him sorry i skipped over something she decided to give him this superhero suit that she made while he was literally stepping out of the shower butt naked in panel we see his butt and she walked into the shower. I don't know what kind of family this is, but it's a weird one. He puts on the suit, flies to go save this guy, picks up this thing, saves the guy. He's like, wow, I had to use all my strength to do this. I better figure out what I'm going to do with these superpowers. And that's basically the end of the issue when he says, I don't want to be a superhero because some superheroes are only okay, but the rest of them suck. And then they make some snide comments about Booster Gold that I didn't get because I don't read DC Comics before like 2011 <laughs> but apparently Booster Gold got powers and then just only did marketing deals with his superpowers which I think is the funniest shit in the world but he's like okay some superheroes are okay but I'm, I'm never going to be like them um, and then at the end of the issue he just says maybe I will be a superhero it's, it's like a like two pages he decides to go from I don't like superheroes to I'm going to be one and then we end with this Dr. Melrose guy hearing about the flying man in Phoenix and he says that, quite, that can't be the guy that we maybe possibly hit with our satellite so like the thing that's, I don't know, that, that's basically the summary of it. It's, it's a weird book. If I were picking this up in the 80s, I'd be like, why should I even pick up the second issue? Because the end of the book is pretty much the villain saying, that can't be our man. And then our superhero saying, I guess I'm not going to be a superhero. Like, that's the end. <laughs> it's so stupid. So um, the 80s were a time. Um,
2: yeah, I guess I'm, what... a, I'm a big fan of space radiation as a mm-hmm. as a plot device. I appreciate the fact that we're not just going to, like, try to explain it or anything. Just, like... It's uh it's space radiation. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's not even that it's space
0: radiation. It's collected space radiation that's turned into a highly focused cosmic beam or something like that. It's so
2: dumb. Now, the Fantastic Four's lawyers are ready. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Like for for this book, I mean, I want to talk to you guys about what you thought of your books as well, but like, you know, for this book, this felt like the most cookie-cutter superhero origin story that was definitely marketed as you don't want to miss out on this brand new series that's definitely going to be worth something in the future because that's that's how it felt it felt like you know if you read the original spider-man you read you know these these very like stan lee style like superhero gets powers by happenstance and he's a regular person it felt like dc was trying to copy marvel's formula like 25 years too late So, yeah, I don't know. I I know that Starman has had a couple of different series. I think Tony Harris did a book that was really possible or really popular, um, even though he's kind of a garbage person. But, like, I know that that was the thing that had happened. But other than this, I'd never... Other than that, I'd never heard of Starman, really, before this. Because I think he's basically, like, a DC's version of Century, uh, before Century came out as a character from Marvel, where, like, he's so powerful and he has absolute power that rivals all of the big you know the trinity characters but he can't be used to outshine those characters because he's too new and he's not nearly as cool. So yeah,
2: I don't know. It's it's really really weird comic book to say the least. Is is Starman in any way related to Star Girl? Maybe? As far as the story that I read
0: is concerned, they are not related. I think it's just a coincidence and people just don't have a lot of options
2: when it comes to space-based names. <laughs> Our, our resident DC expert, uh, Danny, in the Discord says that they are tangentially connected. Yeah, so I sure, I mean, they
0: both get their powers from space, like radiation, I'm sure. So I think Stargirl has like a special staff. I don't know. I read that one Jeff Johns JSA run, and that's about as much as I know about Stargirl. So sorry, Space Rod. Thank you, Danny. Uh, <laughs> space staff sounds way better, though. Danny just <laughs> wanted to get you saying Rod on tape. Damn it. Well, speaking of DC, I guess we all read DC books. I think that's pretty funny for this week. Um, Brian, what did you think of Animal Man in your, the first issue that you read? Are you going to read the rest of the series?
2: Uh, so uh, I'm definitely going to finish the first volume. Okay. Um, I, I'm i trying to think. Like, I must have read some Morrison in the past. But mm-hmm. You I don't think that you can get to 32 as a comic book reader without having read them at some point. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, they they just they did a really good job of setting the the stakes and like establishing like this is who Buddy Baker is. This is why he's trying to be a superhero. His motives are not not quite booster gold level, but he also like wants to be a hero for fame and fortune. He's not really in it to help people at the very beginning. (laughs) I I assume that he will come around and that does feel very different from the the new 52 animal man which i've read in the past but yeah i i think that they they did a, they did a good job like establishing a mystery to like who is the beast what do they want mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. did they fuse all of these lab monkeys into a nightmarish pile of monkeys screaming for death mm-hmm. which is just kind of a thing that they just kind of gloss over by the way oh like, yeah He walks into a room and all these monkeys are like melded together in this this lab where they were trying to research an HIV vaccine. And it's sort of like it's it's there, you know, the the reactions to it are not as strong as I think my reaction to a uh, semi living pile of primates would be. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it certainly would not go unremarked upon. The, the, the fact that it was like a, a lab researching an HIV vaccine I thought like was exactly the thing you need to capture the time frame of the comic definitely uh, because they, they talk a little bit about like where did the HIV virus come from and the doctor's like well we don't really know and Buddy's like I heard it was released from a military lab and I'm just like <laughs> man yeah you guys really didn't know shit back then huh <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of what makes and, and this is why I'm excited to hear that you say you're going to at least read the first volume is that the this this Animal Man run is very much Morrison getting in your face with their politics and and express, using like Buddy Baker's story of un, like discovering things like you see in the first issue of like the HIV virus, like and these, these animal testing facilities, it allows Morrison to really tell a story that is about a superhero coming to terms with that the fact that they shouldn't just be a hero for the fame right like that with great power comes great responsibility i know that that old adage whatever but i I feel like buddy baker as a character takes that to an extreme in a really good way in a really interesting way and then of course this this run has a very like very infamous end um that if you do continue reading it i think you'll you'll kind of go oh now i understand all of these stupid references that people have been doing for decades um but nonetheless i think this this first arc is very good so i'd be curious to hear your thoughts after if once you finish reading it
2: yeah the only other thing that i wanted to say just because it kind of connects back to your uh your point is that buddy baker is also supposed to be in his late 20s and is is again like a it looks like a cw teenager like that's the (laughs) That's how much older he looks than he's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, this that that series has a bunch of artists that rotate through it, and they vary in in quality. I think throughout the whole run, uh, or I guess in in terms of like consistency, because you know, I think in the beginning, Buddy Baker is drawn to look older, and then he looks a little bit younger, and then in the later book, he looks much older, even though like only a year is supposed to have passed. So maybe i don't know it's it's very interesting i mean I, after the,
2: 2020 i know how I, how a single year can really age a guy <laughs> yeah
0: well what's you know i think this is the, the thing though like these books you know published in the 80s uh, there was just a style like the dc style for things was just to mm-hmm. draw things a little bit more mature especially with Starman and animal man number one coming out back to back in months right because you're september i'm october like we've got these new like of course we're in the peak 80s too right like Batman the Dark Knight returns you know Frank Miller's Dark Knight has come out so like gritty comic books and of course you said Watchmen you know
2: yeah Watchmen was 86 87
0: yeah so. so these super gritty books about these adult characters are you know probably super popular at the time and so this is why I think we're getting these more adult looking characters even with Buddy Baker in his late 20s and Starman in his mid 20s this is so different than you know 20 30 years prior when you've got characters that are 16 17 18 those are the characters that were they're trying to portray to get like a different audience and now it's like these books are aimed to a bl- bit more at adults just to like because they want to do more adult stories and i think like in previous months you know i have uh i read green lantern which felt like an 80s action movie that was definitely aimed at adults so i think we're just in that era of like let's do nitty gritty dc books anyways uh, and i think i said green lantern i think i meant green arrow but um anyways kate about your book what were your overall thoughts of of things after you read it, you know? You said you were hooked on it because you wanted to read this murder mystery thing. Um but did it actually pay off?
1: Um I think so. There I mean it's definitely got some things that are just elements of its time like there are two uh people of color and they're there together and they're given the roles of witch doctor and a fancy woman which was uh, oh. very yikes for oh. me to read. Um and then uh bruce's date ruby smith if you're familiar with that era of of batman um maybe you know her um she's like she's outgoing and she wants to help to the point where i thought that she might actually catch bruce changing into his batman clothes (laughs) um (laughs) but as strong as she is and as much as i liked her she is drawn with a dress that has a slit fully down her torso um and would have absolutely fallen off with all the running around that she does in this (laughs) book And then also she's like, Bruce has disappeared. Like for as much as far as she knows, he has left her when this is all happening. Um Mm -hmm. and when they meet up later, she's just like totally okay with it. Um she doesn't mention it. She's like, Oh, Bruce, I'm glad that you're all right. Um and he's like, Yes, I I told Batman that I would donate X amount to charity if he saved you. Um (laughs) (laughs)
0: But if he didn't, those kids aren't getting
1: any fucking money from me. Um uh, but okay, so normally I I have this issue with these old books where they're like either they're like way too bright or like really liney, like there's so many mm-hmm. lines that it's kind of hard to figure out what's happening. Um, and this didn't really have any of that. Um, it, it, like the the colors were chosen really nicely, like the pages all really balanced. Even like mm-hmm. even the night scenes were just like really dark blue. They weren't like too dark or anything. So I I actually kind of enjoyed the art in this one which is is uh unique for me for this time period um and then it was a really quick read like i mean it was only one issue but it was a longer like ex- expanded issue but i yeah, I, I read it in one sitting. um i understood everything for the most part there were a lot of characters at the very beginning because of all these guests that are at the house there was like six or seven couples um but only a few of them actually end up being important, and that becomes mm-hmm. clear pretty quickly. Like you figure out who you actually need to be like focused on. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, it's on Hoopla. So uh, if that sounds like something that you're interested in, it's pretty easy to get, and it's on Comixology, too, um, both in in the volume and separately.
0: Gotcha. Well, I mean, this actually sounds really interesting. I mean, I, I'd be curious to see how they do a murder mystery with Batman, because I imagine Batman not being able to just punch everyone um, is a nice change of pace, I think, compared to, you know, in modern books where uh, I feel like it's rare to find a Batman book where he's doing a lot of uh, detective work. And again, I, you know, I say this as someone that's not reading a lot of detective comics and not reading a lot of Batman books in general. But like, you know, there's the, the issue that Tom King did of his Batman run where Bruce Wayne puts himself on tr- puts batman on trial like and he shows up in the courthouse or shows up as in as part of the jury and then has to convince um everybody or has to get the uh, the jury to convince him that batman didn't do this thing because he doesn't believe himself like there's a lot of huh. really interesting things uh yeah. that happen and i feel like it's re- it's not as often to see like a detective story about batman um nowadays but maybe that's just me
2: no yeah. i think that like the 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 movies that came out like in the 80s but especially once we got to like the dark knight mm-hmm. uh it really recolored like the common public perception of batman yeah as less detective more punchy punchy
1: yeah <laughs> um i was worried that this was going to be not a standalone issue i was concerned that i'd have to like read the whole volume and then maybe like keep going with it to really feel like I understood everything that was pulled into the issue, you know, mm-hmm. but it really is just it's an annual. It's just a it's not a it's not like a, a team, uh, a crossover event or anything like that. It's just a standalone story that's really not con- connected to, to anything else.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Like I said, I think I definitely might have to check this out. Uh, definitely will have to check this out, I should say, um, if only to, to just read more standalone Batman books. You know, why not? I will say about this book, like I said, this is like a really cookie cutter book. I kind of threw everything out. But yeah, this I, I genuinely don't know how anyone would pick up Starman number two after reading the end of Starman number one. We're like, there's a new superhero, but he doesn't want to do it. And his villain doesn't believe that he's the hero. The end. Like that's pretty much all the issue ends. There's not even like a see what happens next time. It's just like a it's just a generic ending. Uh, and so I I'm curious to know why people kept buying this book for four more years because it ran until 1992. So um, I, I'm almost curious to check out the next issue just to see what's actually interesting about this book. Part of me <laughs> wonders know.
2: if it was almost like uh, morbid curiosity. Like if they they watched them and thought how them Duke boys are gonna get out of this one, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, curiosity about it, how they're gonna make this into an interesting comic.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think like you know that's it's funny. <laughs> It's funny you say that, because I bought Radiant Black number two after reading number one, because as much as there was a huge hook, I was curious to know how, you know, that book was gonna dis- distinguish itself among a lot of other superhero books. And of course it, it feels like it just takes the place of Invincible in, in in a lot of ways. But uh yeah, I mean I was curious to see how number two was gonna play out. And maybe that's how a lot of people in nineteen eighty eight also felt um in November. Maybe there just wasn't another cool superhero book to read, but also I think there is always like a lot of hype around new superhero books. I think like when, when new characters come out, um, I'm trying to think of the last time that happened, maybe miss America, right. Um, or America, uh, uh, I think that was the name of the book that came out. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to buy that book just because it was a new hero that maybe had been hinted at in other books. Um, but like, I guess DC just a debut a brand new hero that hasn't shown up in another book is, is pretty rare. I mean, for Marvel and DC nowadays, because that just doesn't happen. You know, usually that character shows up in four or five or six other books and then they get their own book. Um, kind of like, you know, sampling a, a, a actor in a TV show or something like that. But who knows? Um, I don't know, how do you guys feel about reading books from the 80s? Like, I, I I know that both of you are pretty much just mostly reading books that are coming out now or more recently. So, you know, to dive back
2: into some of these old books, how, what were your overall thoughts? Overall, I think that the, the 80s are a real crapshoot. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it was an experimental period for, in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. and in a lot of like different genres too, like not... Or not genres, but mediums. Like not just comics, but you know, film and music. Um and, you know, when you're throwing stuff against the wall, not all of it's gonna stick. Um personally, I don't really like the the eighties sort of like washed out art style that a lot of stuff has. Mm-hmm. I like a more like vibrant, more colorful art. Um like, but much more like what we get nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I think that when you get a book, you know, like like the the art in Animal Man, where it's it's serviceable. Like it's it's not. I would never tell somebody to read Morrison's Animal Man for the art, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not bad, and it it gets the point across. Um, and I think that allowed me to really embrace this more than I have other. 80s books that I've tried and failed to get into. Gotcha. So Brian's not rereading Watchmen. Got it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't pay me to Mike. I'm done. <laughs> you heard it here first. If we get to 500 Patriot, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was, that's not true. You could pay me to do anything. I'm-
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Kate, what about you? What were your thoughts? Just like a jumping into an 80s book without actually having read a lot in the past. I guess.
1: Yeah, well, I read that, um, the other book that I had covered, oh gosh, Hellblazer, the last time I was on a, a Time Machine book, oh, right. and I I was very disappointed about that because I do like the character of Constantine in theory, um, but this, um, I I did enjoy this, this one. I did have some trouble finding a book that I wanted to read that was on the different Marvel and DC lists that show... Mm-hmm. Um, the months that things were released just because a lot of them were not either standalone books or in um, volumes that I could find easily. So finding something for this is kind of difficult, but I'm glad that I found this one very convenient, good issue to read. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I did enjoy it. I think I might uh, read the rest of the volume that it was collected in before I check it back into Hoopla.
0: Gotcha. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I I've done a couple of these now and I think the last one I did, I read a Green Lan- or a Green Arrow book, and it was like in the middle of an arc. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I honestly had fun just kind of leaning or just leaning into whatever the book was giving me, going, I don't know who any of these characters are. I don't know why I even give a shit about this goatee guy. He just shoots arrows and he blah, 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 you know. But just taking this mo- the book that I read on pure aesthetic, like, it was a lot of fun. And then I sat down with Starman and it felt like, like I said, like the most cookie cutter story you could have ever read about an origin of a superhero. And I think that kind of stinks. It almost feels like it's detrimental for these episodes to read number ones. Compared to reading like more established stuff, because I think with number ones, there's a lot of things that you kind of know will happen or when they do happen, you kind of go womp womp like I, I <laughs> should have seen that coming versus like a number nine or a number 17 or whatever, like established stuff is already established. So you're kind of going in like it like you caught a TV, you caught a movie on TBS in the middle of the day, 60 minutes in and you're like, I'm in the middle of act two of this movie, what the hell is going on? And you kind of just got to pick things up on context clues. I think there's something exciting about that when we do that for this this series. Um, So, like, I encourage, you know, I'll tell everybody for the future episodes, maybe find a weird random issue that's in the middle of an arc and just see how you feel about it, because if it's bad, you know, then that means the book itself was probably bad. But if you were to get engaged just on like a random number 12 or 15 or whatever, that's saying something for the series, I think. So, yeah, I mean, jumping into this, you know, Starman, like, I don't know, it, it didn't really get me excited, it didn't really hook me. But uh, uh, again, I think just like we were saying before, I would probably try number two if it was coming out on the stands just to see where the hell this book could possibly go, um, because I feel like they left so many things on the table in terms of like cool cosmic shit that they could do. It's like, why take the most bombastic idea of like cosmic radiation turned into superpowers of man and make him fucking stop? banks being robbed right like Superman did that back in the 30s like we've progressed since then so like someone that can fly and can mold metal and can do all this other stuff and is like bulletproof why wouldn't you have them fight like some big alien monster or, or something else that's not just you know your average everyday save the kitten from a tree um, this guy is clearly not Superman He's <laughs> he's so cynical why would why wouldn't you just have him go against something that's a bit more challenging than you know bank robbing I don't know. That's that's my take on it, at least.
2: I, I laugh because Animal Man opens on Buddy saving a cat from a tree.
0: Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Uh, but I think that's Morrison just kind of like ribbing everybody, right? Because I think you know the the, fun, the funny thing about that Animal Man run, I feel like I could do a whole could do a whole series on Animal Man, uh, if only because I find so many things to be funny about that series. Because it feels like Morrison just 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 giving the middle finger to like dc and being like well you want me to do an origin story well i'll do the most traditional origin i could possibly think of with this kind of stuff like saving a cat from a tree um but i think he does that before he gets the powers right uh no he has his powers at the start of the comic okay okay i can't remember i could never remember but um well, cool. I don't know. You guys have any other final thoughts you wanted to bring up about your books or anything? Like I said, I, you know, I asked if you're going to keep reading, but like anything else that you guys noted on that you thought was interesting. Um,
1: no, but it was. Uh, well, I guess it was very cool to find a, a locked room mystery from the '80s. That was.
0: I mean, with Batman, anything is possible, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, cool. Well, thank you guys for being on this episode. This is a lot of fun. Um, I, As much as I feel like I don't like reading 80s books, I always find these episodes to be really interesting and fun. So I can't wait to do the next one. Um, and hopefully we'll have you guys, we'll cycle through everybody again and get you all back to maybe try one more time. But as always, you know, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brianhead, You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for exclusives like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and many more. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Give us five stars. You know we work hard for it. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB.
1: Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record at ircbpodcast.com slash discord. And it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show.
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a great editor and just a fun person to talk to when you get the chance to. So we want to say thanks to him as well. Thanks to everyone listening at home. Thanks to the folks listening live on Discord. Uh, Cinco, Matt, and Danny, we really appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. And until next time, comics are good and so are you.